Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Genesis. We've been uh, working through the book of Genesis for 17 years now, and we're continuing our uh, journey this morning. We're, in, we're finally in Genesis chapter 22, and this is, man, this is an incredible story, and, and so much in this story, and it's a, really an emotional story. And so I'm uh, looking forward to diving into this text with you. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to be looking at uh, the first 19 verses. In just a moment, I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 8. So be finding Genesis chapter 22. If you're new to the Bible, man, it's a good day for you because Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. And so so just open your Bible up to the first book. You're there. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because in the seat before you, in the book rack, you will find a copy of the Bible. Uh, take that Bible, find Genesis with you. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it. Learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. Uh, if you're new to Northwood, this is what we do. Uh, we walk through books of the Bible because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And we believe there's much in God's Word for us to learn. And so we just take books like this and walk straight through them and learn all we can about the God who loves us and desires a relationship with us. So Genesis 22 is where we are this morning. And so we are thankful that um, the new school year started, college students are back. If you're like me, you've got kids in school or grandkids or neighbor's kids. It's just that time of year. Or if you're a teacher, uh, you're going back to the class or have gone back to the classroom. Some of you are homeschool parents and so you're trying to get back in the rhythm of homeschooling and all those different things. It's just a, a fun time, kind of fun time of the year when we uh, get to start back school. And so, so I don't know what you're like. Some of you are students right now. Some of you were students a long time ago. But, but how many of you, just be honest, you can brag on yourself for just a minute. When you think back to school and you think about back to all the tests that you took, how many of you would say, man, I was a really good test taker. Like I could study for 30 minutes and I could have all that information and it was just no problem. Any of you were good test takers? Okay, a few of you, good for you, congratulations. So how many of you were not good test takers? Yeah, like that, that's me. Like you, you did it, especially I remember in college, you know, you take like a psychology class and you study, 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 study. And, and then on test day, I don't know how it happened, but it always seemed to happen that when I, I, I took that test, all the information I studied, it was gone. Like it just disappeared out of my brain. And, and you've had that experience too, probably. And, and so, so yeah, it's that time of year when you're gonna be taking again a lot of tests. Uh, I like to look at different, you know, articles on the internet and things like that. And, and I remember seeing this, you know, a long time ago, just, just thought it was quite amusing. I thought I'd share it with you. And so you can find these kinds of things on the internet because you can find everything on the internet, obviously. You can find uh, some of these examples of kids who were uh, in class and they were taking their test and, and as they were taking their test, they forgot the answer to the particular question. And so they wrote down an answer. And I've got some of those for you this morning. These, these are great. I love these. So for example, what ended in 1896? Well, this kid said 1895. <laughs> I mean, I'd, yeah, this question, what is the strongest force on earth? Love. Yeah, you should have given him credit. What kind of teacher wouldn't give him credit? I love this one. Name the quadrilateral. Now, I can't do that. But look, Bob, Sam, Tedison, Kate, Harry. That's great, right? Or look at this one. I like this one. Briefly explain what hard water is. Ice. Like, 
Everybody knows that. Or, or look at this one, look at this one. I love this one. Uh, so I had to fill in the blank. The man pet the dog. The options were fit or hit, but the student was quick to point out the teacher. You should not hit dogs. Come on now. All right, think about this one. I love this one because I would do this. Expa- I, I stink at math, right? Expands. You have this equation. So the kid, he expands. You get it? He expands the equation. That's good, isn't it? That's good. Oh, I like this one. Find the X. Well, it's right there. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't do that? Or, or, or look at this one. Now, I'm, cause and effect. Now, I take some offense of this. So if you practice the piano 20 minutes of every day, what will the effect be for this boy? He's a big nerd. I mean... I practiced 20 minutes every day, and I think I turned out all right. But anyway, so, so yeah, lots of fun. So, so I'll show you all those uh, because you know that we are entering into, in school, seasons of testing. And you know this too, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that even as a follower of Jesus, you're going to experience some tests in life. Your faith is going to be tested over and over again. I mean, as we think about Abraham's story, I mean, hasn't this been his story? One test of faith after the other. And and if we're real honest about Abraham's story, uh, some tests he he took pretty well. Some tests he did not. But it's what his life was. Test of faith over and over and over again. And some of you in this room, you relate to that because you feel like that's what your life has been as a follower of Jesus, a series of tests. You think about right now, it seems like for the last year and a half now, as, as, as followers of Jesus, we've been all experiencing the same test. How are we going to respond to the COVID-19 crisis? We've been taking that test together. But there are other tests. How are you gonna respond? When you lose your job because your boss can't pay you anymore because of the effects of the pandemic. How, how, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond when there's tension in the home because of all the stressors that are around us? How are you going to respond, right? When God gives you that opportunity to invest in somebody for the sake of the gospel, that will you do it? And so, so if you think about your life and my life, just all these tests that we go through, tests of faith that demonstrate, right, kind of how God is at work in our lives, you see. This morning, as we continue our journey through the book of Genesis, we are really, in a lot of ways, at the climax of Abraham's life. Now, we've got more to learn from Abraham over the next couple of weeks, but, man, this is it. This is the climactic moment of the story, And this is a powerful moment. This is a a gut-wrenching moment. This is a a, a heart-sinking moment. But but this story that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, you've heard before, you've studied before, this story has much to teach us about how to walk in faith when times of testing come. And so what I want to show you from this passage is real simple. We're going to take a few moments to look at it. I want to show you three truths about testing that we learn from this story in Abraham's life. So take your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. Once you have that scripture, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. Genesis 22, verses one through eight. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. 
Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife and the the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, my father. And Abraham replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time to be together in your word. Thank you, God, that your word is good and your word is instructive for us. Father, I, I, I know that every one of us in this room, we have experienced testings of our faith. Some of us are going through significant testings of our faith even now. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us be attentive to what you're saying to us this morning because, Father, you have the answers for us. You know, Father, how we can pass the test. So, Father, as we listen to your Spirit's voice this morning, help us to listen with hearts that are ready to obey your word and ready to live out your word by faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So last week we were in Genesis chapter 21. And if you think about Genesis chapter 21, I mean, it it was a, a chapter full of joy, but also a chapter full of heartbreak. On the one hand, it was a joyous chapter because finally, finally, after years of waiting, Abraham and Sarah held a baby, Isaac, child of laughter. This 90-year-old woman had given birth to a son, the son that God had promised Abraham years earlier. And just the joy in the home as, as they held this baby boy, I mean, a a glorious occasion. They'd waited forever, it felt like, for this child. But then the heartbreak. We talked about another child in the home last week, Ishmael. This this child that that Abraham had by his his, uh, servant Hagar, who Sarah had given to him as his wife. And when they took matters in their own hands because they were growing impatient as they waited on the Lord, and we talked about last week how, how, how Abraham was distressed. On the one hand, he had this child, Isaac. But on the other hand, watching this child, Ishmael, leave his home, watching him and his mom, Hagar, walk away. And just the heartbreak that Abraham had, Abraham had to deal with in Genesis 21. And now here we are in Genesis chapter 22. And and some time has passed since Abraham watched Ishmael and Hagar walk away. Uh, We don't know exactly how old uh, Isaac is by this time. We don't know exactly how much time has passed, but you can imagine it's probably been a decade at least uh, that that Isaac is is 10 years old, 11, 12, on the uh, the verge of manhood. And, And for the last decade or so, I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they have given all of their time to this child because they know, they believe, they are convinced that this is the child that God had promised them. And the hope, 
The hope that, that through this family line, uh, through Isaac, Isaac's going to have kids and, and, and grandkids and, and so forth. And, and, and ultimately, there's going to be this great nation that's going to be built. And, 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 and through this nation, the whole entire world is going to be blessed. Just the hope that Abraham and Sarah had as they raised this child. And then Moses, the author of Genesis, tells us in chapter 22, verse 1, that God tested Abraham. Now, we know it because we've been journeying along in the story that, that Abraham has, has faced test after test. And, and some tests he did pretty well on and some tests he did not do so well on. But this test right here, my friend, this is the test of all tests for Abraham because God comes to Abraham and asks him to do something that is unthinkable, that is unimaginable and, and in a sense, unbelievable. Abraham, God says, here I am. Take your son your only son, the son that you love, the son of promise, the son that you've invested in, the son that you've placed your hope in, take that son and take him to Mount Moriah and offer him up as a burnt offering. Now, here we are in this room and we've probably read this story before or you've heard a preacher like me talk about this story. And, and so, so it's somewhat familiar to us, but, but just put yourself in Abraham's shoes for just a moment. What? You, you want me to do what? You want me to take my, the son, the son that you promised me, the son I waited decades for, the son that you gave to Sarah in her old age. Don't you remember that? I mean, she was 90 years old and, 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 and she gave birth to a child. I mean, that, that you did that. You opened up her womb. And now you want me to take him and offer him up as a, a burnt offering? God was testing Abraham. And and let's just stop right here for just a moment because I I want you to grasp this first truth we we see from the story. And and this is not new information for you. I know that this is is something you know, it's basic, but, but no testing is coming for every one of us. You've been there, you're there now, it's around the corner. If you think about Abraham's life, you think about your life, I mean, it seems to be, isn't it? Doesn't it? It seems to be that, 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 that life is nothing but a series of tests. Your faith is constantly being tested. How will you respond in any and every circumstance? And, and let's just be honest, I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but, but you really do need the test. The tests are for you. Because a lot of you are like me. You've got a lot of book knowledge. You've sat in Sunday school classes. You've sat under the preaching of the word. You've done some study on your own. You've learned a lot of scripture. Some of you are like me. You've had the opportunity to go to seminary and get a theological education. I mean, I would say, I think, I mean, I know a good bit of stuff about the Bible. I've studied a lot over the years. And some of you have too. You've got a lot of book knowledge. But what the tests do, what the tests do, they reveal they reveal if that knowledge you have about God, if you're willing to live it out practically. You see, you need the test because the test reveal if you really trust God or not. The test reveal if you're going to place your faith in him or not when life gets tough. The test reveal, now watch this, the test oftentimes reveal what? Deficiencies in your faith. Areas where you need to grow. 
You see, you and I need the testing. The testing is good because God uses the testing of our faith to what? To sanctify us, to make us more like his son, Jesus. You see, you need the test. They're coming. Get ready. They are coming and you need it. You understand? But not only do you need the test, think about this. God knows when to give you the test. You see, you're going through a a test maybe right now, and you might be thinking, this is so random. Why is life happening this way? And in God's economy, nothing is random. COVID-19 did not take God by surprise, nor does any other challenge you experience in this life. God knows what he's doing. God knows how he's going to bring you through. God knows what he wants to teach you. God knows what he wants to reveal about himself to you. God knows what he's doing when you're going through the testing, and he knows when to give you the test. I find this interesting. Think back to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, hey, I'm gonna make you a great nation. You're gonna have descendants. You're gonna be a blessing to the world. And and you know what didn't happen that night? After God gave Abraham this promise, what didn't happen is that night, Sarah did not get pregnant. And nine months later, Sarah did not have a child. You see what I'm saying? God could have done that. God could have given Abraham and Sarah a child within that first year of the call that he had placed on his life. And then after that child was born, maybe, right, back in Genesis chapter 12, if it would have happened this way, just hang with me, if it would have happened that way, God could have come to Abraham a month after Isaac was born, take him, offer him as a sacrifice. But he didn't. Why? That wasn't the test that Abraham needed at the time. There were different tests. God made Abraham wait to have a child. And God made Abraham wait until he gave him this specific test. There were tests along the way. You remember that. You remember the the test after God called him, the famine in the land. It was an immediate test. The test, if if Abraham and Sarah were going to trust God and be faithful uh, to believe the promise, and you know how they did, not so well in those tests, but but God knew. He knew when to give the test. And he, he comes to Abraham and gives him the test of offering his son as a sacrifice some, what, 35, 40 years after the initial visit that God had with Abraham. And, and, and here's what I know. Over these last 40 years, what does Abraham learn? That he can trust God. He can trust him. Because when you've walked with God for a long time, like Abraham did, you learn to trust. Not one time now in Abraham's story has God been unfaithful to Abraham. At every turn, God has been faithful, you see? And so now, are you following me? God knows. God knows the test that Abraham needs to build his faith, and God knows exactly when to give Abraham the test. But the reality is, and I I want you to see this, testing is coming. God's in charge of it. He knows when to give it. He knows how to give it. He knows why he's giving it. You might not have all the details, but God knows, and it is coming. I remember, and I've told you this story before, I I was sitting there before uh, four or five professors at the end of my PhD program taking an oral exam. And that was the, the, the most comprehensive test I've ever taken. Because during those three hours I met with those professors in that room, they had the opportunity to ask me anything they wanted to ask me from all my previous courses I had taken in the PhD program. Everything was fair game. And I remember taking that test. 
and them asking me questions and then answering back. And it was just random stuff, right? I mean, I, I did a PhD in, in homiletics or we call it preaching, right? So I did a PhD in preaching. And, and so I had to know the entire history of preaching and how different preachers contributed to the church. I had to know things like when Martin Luther was born, where he was born, when he died, what his contributions were, Charles Simeon, Charles Spurgeon, you name these preachers, I knew it. And I felt really good. Went through that test and I'd given all the right answers. And man, once I gave that last answer and the test was done after three hours, I was exhausted. My brain was spent, but I thought, man, I did it. I passed the test. And then to have my professor, who was the chair of, of, of my um, uh, PhD program, look at me and say, Tommy, you did good, but I want to remind you, you are not the smartest tool in the shed. Like, I mean, we in this room have um, some PhDs, some professors at CSU, and I bet you in this room, for those of us who have uh, achieved that degree, I'm the only one who's had a professor look at me and say, you're dumb, right? I mean, it's okay to think that. Just don't say it. You, you know what I'm saying? But, 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 but I'll tell you that, uh, to tell you this, right? When I entered the PhD program in, in August of 2005, right as Hurricane Katrina was barreling down New Orleans, when I entered the program, I knew... I knew that someday I would sit in a room with professors and I, I was going to have to give an answer to everything. I knew it. And so every class I took, it was with that in mind that there was a day coming that I would have to give an answer to all the stuff I had learned, you see? And I'll tell you that to tell you this. In your life as a child of God, testing is coming. It's for your good. You need it. And God knows when to give it, but just know it's coming. And, and this test... I mean, think about the story. I mean, Moses, as he writes his story for us, he, he gives us some details. Look at what it says. Verse three, Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. In those couple of verses, just think about the details that Moses gives us. Early in the morning, Abraham gets up. And you know why he gets up early? And I know the Bible doesn't give us these details, but you can understand it from a, a, a human standpoint. He couldn't sleep. I mean, God had just told him to take his son and offer him as a burnt offering on a, on a mountaintop. I mean, that, that night before he left, you know it was a sleepless night. And, and all night long, he wrestled with, with what he was going to have to do. And he gets up. Puts a saddle on his donkey, gets a couple of his young servants together, and he chops wood. Some of you have chopped wood before. But you've never chopped wood that you would lay your child on to offer as a sacrifice. And so as Abraham is chopping that wood, he knows, he knows that this is the wood that he's going to lay his son upon. He's going to bind his son, tie his son to this wood and offer him as a sacrifice. And there early in the morning, he chops the wood and they, they set off on the journey. Abraham and Isaac and his servants, the donkey. And, and it wasn't a, a, a short journey. It wasn't a, a drive from, from Northwood down to, you know, downtown Charleston. They're a day in. Dad, where are we going? 
to offer a sacrifice. They're two days in. Dad, are we there yet? Where are we going? To offer a sacrifice. On day three, Abraham lifts up his eyes and in the distance, he sees the mountain on which he's going to sacrifice his son. For three days, he's traveling. For three days, he's traveling, knowing the destination. The destination is sacrificing his child. For three days, he's wrestling with this. I I don't know, the the Bible doesn't tell us these details, but you can imagine uh, just as a, a human, what that must have been like at night, maybe around the campfire, as Isaac's sleeping, completely unaware of what is in his future. How Abraham watches his son sleep, crying, wondering maybe if he had heard God correctly. And look what it says. On that third day, they, they're there and he lifts up his eyes and he sees the mountain in the distance. And, and I want to show you a couple of things. You come to verse five and look what it says. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Now listen to this. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood and laid it on his son Isaac. He took his, the, the knife in his hand, the fire, and they walked together. He said to his servants, we're, we're going to go worship, but, but we'll come back together. Then you come down, look what it says. The, the only time we hear from Isaac in the story. Isaac spoke to his father, verse seven. Hey, dad. Abraham replied, I'm here. Fire, wood, they're here, but, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What a question. I mean, I mean Isaac sees it all. He, he sees all the, the, the necessary things they, they needed to, to make this sacrifice. But the most important thing, a sacrificial animal is missing. Dad, where's it at? I mean, they're going to be one on top of the mountain. I mean, we're going to pick up one up along the way at the, the, the store. I mean, we, we, we're missing it. Where is it at? And Abraham, and I don't know, I wasn't there. And I, 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 I know this is a bit of conjecture, but I can imagine with tears in his eyes, Abraham looks at his son. God's gonna provide. I want you to go back up. Look again at verse five. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we'll come back. What did Abraham know? Abraham knew two things. One, that he was going to go to Mount Moriah and offer his son as a sacrifice. The second thing he knew was that Isaac was the promised child. Do you see? And so so Abraham doesn't know how. He doesn't know what. He doesn't know when, but he knows that in some way, God's got to come through for him. And and I just want to tell you this, in in your seasons of testing, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know what, but I'm just telling you, if you're a person of faith, if you follow Jesus, you have to believe that God's going to come through for you. In fact, it's interesting that when you go to um, Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews reflects back on this story. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, he says, Abraham considered that God, and this is so good, that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham in his mind thought, according to the writer of Hebrews, that even if he had to slaughter his son on an offering 
uh, altar, that, that, man, this is the child of promise, that, that God would raise him back up. And so he says to those servants, we're coming back. And when Isaac looks at him and says, Dad, where's the lamb? Abraham looks at his son. Don't worry. God's going to provide. My friend, don't lose it. I know. I know testing is coming. I know testing is hard. But, but just listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can have confidence. You can have confidence that in the most difficult testing of your life, God will always make a way because he's that faithful to you. Do you see? No testing is coming, but, but also think about this. Know the content of the test. Know the content of the test. I mean, you think about the, 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 the test you're going to take in school this semester. If you think back and think about the exams you took when you were in high school, you took a test. There were, there were lots of questions, right? Last year was a struggle for Stacy and for me because Luke was in fourth grade and we had to redo fourth grade math. Fourth grade math is terrible. Like, and there, we hadn't done fourth grade math since fourth grade. And so we had forgotten about fractions and like long, like who does long division? That is completely an unnecessary skill for life, you know? And so, so you've got all these things and all these questions. And I, I remember it was so amazing. We, we found an app because there literally is an app for everything. And so we, we download this app on our phone and, and, and it was, I don't know how it worked. It was miraculous. You would, you would take a, 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 a picture of the problem. And then, then, and then the, the, the people that live inside your phone, they would take it to the International Space Station because on the International Space Station, there's a team of math experts and they would look at the problem and they would like instantaneously beam back down. Not only, now watch this, not only the answer to the question, and listen, all I do is take a picture of the problem. They would beam back down to my phone, not only the answer, but all the steps it takes to get to the answer. $10 a month. Best money you'll ever spend if you have a kid in elementary school, right? Now, I'll tell you that, to tell you this, that, that, that man, you've taken some tests, and, and as you've taken tests, as you've done schoolwork, there's, there's all kinds of questions you have to answer. Who was this president? Who was that president? What happened here? What happened there? These math formulas, that math formula. But if you think about the test that God gives us, there's really only two questions God's asking us. One, what takes priority in your life? Abraham? I know, I know I gave you the child that I promised you. I know you love the boy. I know you and Sarah for years waited for this boy. But is he more important to you than me? You see, Abraham, what takes priority in your life? What about you? Think about all the blessings that God has given you. The blessing of health, the blessing of a career, the blessing of a family, the blessing of children, the blessing of whatever it might be. That blessing that God has given you, do you love it more than you love God? You see, because here's reality. Whatever takes priority in your life is actually the idol of your life. And and so, so if you think about the content of the test, one, what takes priority in my life? And two, the second question that's being asked in the test of life is what idols need to come down? What am I worshiping above God? What gets my, my allegiance, right? What, what, what is more sacred and holy to me than God himself, you see? So when you go through those seasons of testing, those are the questions God is asking. What really takes priority in your life? 
What, what are the idols? What are those things that are more important to you than God himself? And, and for some of us, let's just be honest, we don't want to answer those questions because of what it might reveal within us. You, you think about, for some of us, it is the idol of children. And, and we'll skip out on church. We'll skip out on discipling our kids. We'll skip out on all kinds of things that really matter in the lives of our kids because we think they've got to be involved in all these other things. You see? And so we, we, we miss out on the things of God to give our kids other good things instead of giving them the best thing. Or it is that career. You're never home because you're, you're, you're so focused on giving your children what you did not have that you're working 60 and 70 hours a week to give them stuff that they don't need. You see what I'm saying? And that career has become what you worshiped. You give all your time and your effort and your energy to it. And so when you go through the seasons of testing, those seasons of testing are meant to reveal to you what really matters, what takes priority in your life and what are the idols that, that need to come down. No testing is coming and know the questions that are being asked, the content on the test. Let me show you what happens in the story. Abraham's walked with God for a long time. And he does it. He trusts God. There's been lots of times in Abraham's life where he's lacked some faith, he's lacked some trust, but, but now what God has told him to do, he's going to do. And he and his boy, they walk up to Mount Moriah. And again, I, I understand, I'm giving you a bit of conjecture. Moses does not give us all the details. But what it must have been like to tie his boy to an altar. I mean, was, was Isaac screaming his head off? Was Isaac trying to stop him? What was going through Abraham's mind? I mean, what, what was it like? And, and what was Isaac thinking in that moment when his father raised up a knife and was about to bring it down on his son, this son that he loved, this son that God had promised him some years ago? What was Isaac thinking? What was Abraham thinking? And then as, as Abraham is in the act of killing his son on an altar, an angel shows up. I bet you, the Bible doesn't say this, but I bet you, Abraham was the happiest person in history to see an angel. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Thank you for showing up. The angel says to Abraham, stop. God knows. God knows your heart. He knows you're faithful. He knows that you trust him. And, and Abraham lifts up his eyes. And remember what he said to Isaac? God will provide. He lifts up his eyes and sees a ram caught in the thickets. And they, they put that ram on the altar. And Abraham and his son walk down the mountain together, return to uh, his servants, and they go home. The question is, and we got to wrestle with this for a few minutes, why? I mean, you think about it, God could have asked Abraham of a lot of stuff. The test could have been different. Why this test? I mean, it seems so barbaric. It seems so cruel. It seems so unbelievable. What, what, 
Offer your child as a sacrifice? What kind of test is this? Do you know why God gave Abraham this test? And, and some of you, you might push back with me a little bit on this. But here's what I think. You ready? Abraham owed God. He owed him. You think about all the failures. I mean, time after time, God had shown Abraham grace. Time after time, God had, had, had shown Abraham favor. And time after time, Abraham had messed up, rebelled even, went against God's plan. Abraham owed God for all the times that, 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 that God had rescued him. Abraham owed him something. And what's more valuable than your son? What's more sacred than life? Years ago, when I took my first trip to Israel, I, I, I stood on um, Temple Mount. I got a picture just to kind of relocate where that is in your brain. So I stood on Temple Mount. Today, the Dome of the Rock is there. So I was there. Like I was right outside the Dome of the Rock standing there. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, according to tradition, Right, you know that, well, this is not, this is fact. This, this is where the temple stood before the Dome of the Rock. You know, I mean, that whole story and uh, the temple uh, was here where the, the Israelites worshiped. And, and according to tradition, right, the, the temple was built on the spot where this story happened, where Abraham offered his son Isaac. You, you understand? Now, we can get all the history of that, but that's another conversation for another day. But, but as I was standing there, I just started to make some connections. As I was standing there, I looked out and I, and I saw this particular area. This is called the Kidron Valley. Well, there's a, a, a valley that runs perpendicular to the Kidron Valley. You're familiar with it because Jesus talks about it in your New Testament. The Valley of Gehenna. You know this, don't you? That when Jesus talks about Gehenna, in the days of Jesus, it was, it was a dumpster. Let me look quite literally that, that they would burn trash in Gehenna. And so when Jesus talks about eternal punishment, he compares it to the fires of Gehenna. It wasn't a trash pit in the days of Abraham. It was a place of Canaanite worship. In particular, in the valley of Gehenna, a god named Moloch was worshipped. And do you know how the people tried to appease Moloch? By sacrificing their children. Because after all, if you're trying to appease a God, I mean, what, what can you give this any better than that? To give the life of your firstborn son, I mean, what, what's, what's more significant? I mean, what, what's, what's more sacrificial, if you will, than that? And so the people who worshiped Moloch, in a sense, they knew. They knew they owed their God something to gain his favor. And now, now here you are, you're on Mount Moriah. Abraham is offering up his, his sacrifice, his child, as, as God has said, but God is teaching Abraham a lesson. I'm not like Molech. He's teaching Abraham a lesson. You have a debt that you can't repay. Offer up your child. Offer up the best of what you have. You have a debt you can't repay. But you have a God who provides and you have a God who is able himself to pay the debt that you owe. Because 1,500 years later, after this story, the son of God would walk up a mountain, Mount Calvary. And the son of God 
will be beaten and mocked. And the Son of God will go to a cross and be crucified. And the Son of God, as he died in your place, taking the punishment for your sins, the sinless, perfect Son of God, fully man, fully God, who came for you. As he died on the cross, he paid the debt that you owe. You can't pay the debt. No matter what you try to offer God, no matter how hard you try to work for God, you can't pay off your sin debt. Oh, but God sent his son who paid the price for you, who died the death that you deserve, who rose from the dead three days later, who has given you life abundant and eternal through faith in him. Do you see? No testing is coming. Know the content of the test, but think about this. Know that the answer to every test you will ever go through, it has been provided for you. Jesus Christ himself, he has passed the test for you. He has given his life for you. He has paid your debt. He has made a way for you to have a relationship with the God of all creation. He has given his life for your life. You see? And so since you know that, I mean, in our time, we're done, but, but just think about this. Since you know that, run to the answer. I know that this is the Sunday school answer, and, 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 and I know you're thinking, my, isn't there more than this? But there's not. He's the answer. Every test you go through, run to him. Because he, in every situation that you find yourself in, he is the one you need in every single test. Run to the answer and prepare for future tests. What I mean by that, now think about this. Some of you are going through testing right now. Some of you aren't, but it's coming. Now's the time to get ready. Now's the time to learn to walk with Jesus. Now's the time to learn to pray. Now's the time to learn to trust. Now's the time to learn to obey. Because when testing comes, if you're daily walking with Jesus, oh my friend, you're gonna have that rugged faith. That, that, that faith that's able to move mountains. That faith that's able to say, I don't know how God's gonna do it. But I know he's going to because of what he's done in my life through Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, know uh, that you can run to the answer, prepare for future tests and know that, that God will provide in every test. He already has provided. He's given you his son, Jesus. And I I know you know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, the son of God who lived for you, died for you, rose from the dead for you, who is now at the right hand of the father has given you his spirit who lives in you. you. Have you ever stopped to think about that? The spirit of God lives in you so that when testing comes, he can empower you to get through the test so that he can give you wisdom to know how to respond in tests. He can give you discernment to know truth in the test. You have everything you need to walk through the test of life because Jesus died in your place, rose again, ascended to the Father, and sent his spirit to dwell in you. You've got it. And so for this morning, as we close our time together, in the season of testing that you may be going through, for many of us, the simple and only answer is, just put your eyes back on Jesus. Love him, walk with him, worship him, obey him, trust him, because he is the answer to everything you're going through in your life. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Today is your day to give your life to the one who paid your debt for you. In the corners of this room, uh, there are two crosses. 
and there'll be people there who are ready to receive you and pray with you. I'll be down front. You can come and talk with me. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never placed your faith in him, confessed your sins and turned from your sins and, and repented and, and trusted him as Lord, believing that he died in your place and rose again, today is the perfect day for you to do so. So a time invitation. You go to one of those crosses. There'll be somebody there. Maybe you need to take a step of faith this morning and profess Christ publicly. And you've been putting off something like baptism for a long time. And you will come to me and say, Pastor Tommy, it's time for me to publicly profess that Christ is my Lord, that he's paid my debt for me. I would love to talk to you about how to take that step of baptism. Whatever decision Christ is calling you to make, you honor that this morning. If you're watching online and, and you see that number pop up on your screen, text the name Jesus to that number. We'll reach out to you and, and talk with you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. You, you, you trust God today obey his voice. If you're in this room and you've placed your faith in Jesus, maybe during this time of invitation, you just want to gather down front and ask God to help you to put your eyes back on the answer. However, God is leading you to respond this morning. You respond by faith. Thank you, Jesus, for today. And thank you for uh, time and your word. God, I pray that now you'd help us respond to you in faith and obedience. For that, that man, that woman that's in this room who's never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus, I pray that person will come trusting you as Lord. Father, for those of us who belong to you, help us, Father, to be a people who trust and obey, who put our eyes daily on the answer, Jesus Christ himself, and ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You rise your feet as we have a time of invitation together. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.